You're listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Man, that was an awesome time of worship. Um, Tonight... I'm excited for tonight, guys. It's going to be a sweet, sweet time of, of being able to dive into the word of God with you and be able to um, just kind of share some community together. Uh, man, we were talking about earlier how crazy things are. We were, we were sitting here socially distanced, of course, in a group of about four people. And we were talking like, man, it's so refreshing just to see people's faces, right? It's so refreshing um, just to be able to see David and be like, man, that's good. I, I just haven't seen David in a while. That's, that's nice. Um, but man, that's, it's just so encouraging. I just really quickly want to recap the past two weeks. We've been in a s- small little mini series um, for the last three weeks, uh, and it was a little Easter series. So the first week, Cole talked about um, Christ uh, uh, dying on the cross. The second week, Cole talked about Christ being risen from the dead. And then tonight, the third week, we're going to talk about Christ coming again, his second coming, his, uh, his triumphant return. Um, as many of you guys know, Easter was this past weekend, right? Resurrection Day was Sunday. It was, it was just such a wonderful time to be able to spend um, with the, the little bit of family that we could and just be able to um, eat together and be able to reflect on what God has been doing for us our whole lives and what he did for us on the cross um, and what he will continue to do, us, do for us in the future when he comes again. Man, and so before we jump in, I don't want to, to stand up here and pretend that nothing is different, that, that everything is the same, and that, um, that nothing has changed, uh, because that would be a lie, right? We're in, in very different times, as you all know. If you could um, turn the camera and span this whole room and be able to see um, what I'm looking at right now is uh, Channing, David, and then my lovely wife, Becca. Hey, guys, there's uh, three people in here um, that are sitting behind the camera, so I have some sort of people to look at. Corbin just walked in. What's up, Corbin? Um, but it is just nice being able to have a couple people, but I don't want to pretend at all like nothing has changed. Um, I'm giving a virtual sermon for the first time ever. I've, I've never done that, right? That's something that's brand new to me. I was talking with Becca just the other day. We were, we were talking about this and I was sharing with her that I have preached in all kinds of scenarios. I've preached to middle school students, to young adults, to high school students, to what we would call real adults because we're not quite there yet, right? I've preached in a country with translators. I've preached um, in villages in Africa. I've preached in the Philippines where the congregation I was preaching to knew just a little bit of English, but I didn't have a translator. So I just used very basic English. I've preached to a congregation of people where I had to try to get my point across in Spanish and I'm not very good at Spanish. And so I don't want you guys to have this illusion that I'm up here pretending that nothing is different because so much is different right now. And with all of that difference, man, it, it makes me excited. And you might think, Zach, that's a, that sounds a little crazy. But the reason that I am excited is because the thought of being in a room like this with you guys again one day, hopefully soon, fingers crossed, 
just gets me so fired up. I get so excited thinking about the day in the hopefully near future that we get to come back together as the journey, as a gathering, and we get to be in a room together physically worshiping God together and giving hugs and high fives and being able to to worship together and to talk together and to go into connect groups afterwards and to share our struggles and to be able to walk together. It excites me to think about the day that that is coming again. But as a Christian, we have something in the future that's coming that we should be way, way, way more excited for. Man, and that's the return of Christ, right? The, the excitement that I have, the excitement that we all have, we've talked about it many times in our meetings of, of how excited we're gonna be whenever the first Sunday comes back where we get to be in a room together. We've joked around about how we all think that B. Hayes is just gonna be off the wall that he's just going to be going crazy, that he's not going to know what to do with himself. Um, and if you know Brandon, he's kind of already like that all the time. Um, and so, man, I think that whenever the first Sunday comes back, that somebody is going to have to, I don't, they're going to have to hold him down. They're going to have to do something with him, put weights around his ankles so he doesn't go crazy. But we have talked about that so many times about how we are so excited for that day to come. But that excitement should come nowhere near the excitement that we have whenever we get to experience the return of Christ here on earth. When we get to experience him coming again and, and being able to, to worship him and be able to stand alongside him, that's going to be incredible. I think that, that knowing that Christ is going to return today brings up a couple of things, right? Because we know that it's scripturally fact that Christ is returning. We, we hear about it all throughout the, the New Testament, right? Of Christ is coming again soon. He left earth with a promise that he would be back. And so knowing that he will be back, I think it brings up a couple of questions in my mind. So one, what is the purpose of Christ coming back, right? And two, what does it mean for us as Christians today? You can even take it this far as what does it mean for us as Christians today in a COVID-19 global pandemic? Why should we give a rip that Christ is returning, right? What, is it, what does it mean for us? What do we get out of it as Christians? What should we learn from it? How should we grow from it? What should we do about it? And those are all things that, man, I hope we get to dive in tonight um, and we get to look at in the word of God where, where it gives us um, insight into that and it gives us some answers of those questions. And so what I'm gonna do really quick is I'm gonna pray, man, and we're gonna jump right in. So if you bow your heads with me, wherever you are, we're gonna pray. Hey God, man, just, uh, just again, thank you. Um, Thank you for a media team who is way, way smarter than I am that can be able to set up all these cameras and this stream and the feed and, and the chat and everything to where we can have community the best way we can have community in these circumstances. So I thank you for that. God, I thank you for your holy Bible, for scripture, God, that we get to read and that we get to learn from and that we get to grow from. Lord, I thank you for um, Holy Spirit who is coming and he is active and he is here right now and he is working in our lives. I pray that that continues as we jump into your word tonight, God. I pray that we get to have a better understanding of, of Christ's return, of his second coming and what that means for us as Christians. So I, again, I just thank you for your son. As we reflect on Resurrection Day this past week,
Let us never forget to be thankful for what Christ has done on the cross for us. Because without that, this, this sermon right now means nothing. <laughs> so we thank you. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So you guys are going to have to bear with me a little bit tonight, by the way. Like I said, I have never preached on this like virtual sermon type thing before. And if you guys have seen me or heard me preach on a Tuesday night, you guys know that I love going back and forth on the stage very quickly. And I'm very animated and I like to move around and I'm never just in the middle of the stage. But for tonight, because we have this, this camera right here, I'm going to try to stay in about a space that's this big. And I'm already that big. And so um, just bear with me on that. Uh, I'm going to do my best. Um, and so hopefully this, this goes really well. I, I think it will. But let's go ahead and jump in. So like I said, knowing that Christ is coming back, that leads us to two different questions, right? The first being, what is the purpose of Christ's return, right? And so if Christ is returning, that means that he has to have already come once, correct? And we all know that if, if you um, have any familiarity with the Bible, you know that Christ has come. It's, it's all over the gospels, right? There's four books completely about the life of Jesus Christ here on earth. And so we know that, um, but why did he come in the first place? We, if, if we wanna know why he's coming again, I feel like it's only right for us to talk about briefly, why did Christ come in the first place? Right, so he came. He was born as a baby um, to the Virgin Mary. We know we know this. He was born into poverty. Um, he was not born into royalty. He was not born onto a throne, but rather he was born in a cave. He laid in a manger. Right, we all know the Christmas songs that are about that. He did not come into a luxurious life. He grew up and experienced normal kid things, I'm sure, of having friends and playing. Um, he started his ministry later in life as an adult. He healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cast out demons, all of this, right? We, we read about this. He turned water to wine. Um, he loved the people that no one would love. He cared for the outcasts. He himself was often poor, homeless, and outcast. And he even told the people who said, hey, how can I follow you? How, I want to be one of your followers. I want to be close to you. I want to be near to you. How do I do that? He even tells them, hey, prepare to be homeless. Prepare to be disliked by people, right? None of this was exactly kingly, right? He, he, this wasn't um, the idea of Jesus coming and being on a throne, but it was all for a purpose. He lived a perfect life. He was betrayed, arrested, sentenced to death, not only to death, but to death on a cross, right? He took our sins upon that cross. While he was hanging on the cross, he took our sins, held them on his shoulders and said, hey, this is, this is for you. Everybody who's listening tonight, this is for you, right? He took the worst of the worst. As he suffered and died, he became the substitute, what we call the propitiation for our sins. He took punishment that belonged to us, made it his own, and took it upon his shoulders. Again, like I said, it was for a reason. Why did he do that? He did it to bridge the gap between an absolutely perfect God and an absolutely imperfect people. By doing this, God no longer sees sin when he looks at us, his believers, but rather he sees his son on the cross. And that's not to say that our sin is not important and that our sin is not horrible because it is, it is horrendous. It is disgusting. It is downright dirty. It is not a good thing. But like I said, Jesus took that from us 
hanging on the cross so that we could have a relationship with the one true king, with God, right? That, that is the purpose of why God came. What happens next? Three days later, we know the story. He rose, right? He said, death cannot hold me. I'm getting out of the tomb, right? The tomb was empty. Three days later, he rose. That's what we celebrated this past Sunday. Jesus in resurrected form appears to Mary Magdalene. A little shout out to the women. You're important, right? You matter. Jesus, out of everybody he could have chose, he chose to appear first to Mary. That says a lot, I think. And so just a little tidbit um, of encouragement there is that you matter, he appeared to his disciples next, right? He encouraged them. He told them to keep going. And then he ascended, promising to return. So that's a very, very brief little tidbit of Jesus's first coming, right? The first time that he was here on earth and why he was here. He was here to bridge the gap between us, a sinful, imperfect, flawed human being and an almighty, all-powerful, perfect, all-loving, all-knowing God. So Jesus is the gap there. That is the reason he came the first time. You can find all of that throughout the gospels, right? Don't take it just at my word, but dive in, read scripture, know that story yourself. But what about this time that we're talking about tonight? The time in the future, maybe the near future, maybe the distant future. I don't know. Scripture tells us that we can't put a date on it, so I'm not gonna try to. But why did he decide to come again? Why is he coming again? What is his reasoning to come again? Now, I think that scripture actually tells us a few things here. So quickly, um, you don't have to open here. You can, I'm going to be jumping around a little bit tonight, but quickly, the first point I'm going to have is Jesus is coming again to bring retribution to his enemies. And we find that in second Thessalonians one, eight through nine. So I'll read that really quickly. It says, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not, or who, sorry, and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Man, that's a, that's pretty tough. So a little bit of, of, of context for that, um, that section of scripture right there is they are talking about the second coming. Um, we don't exactly have the time to read that whole thing, but I encourage you go in and read um, that whole section of scripture and you can kind of see um, a picture that is being painted of, of Christ's return, right? And so Jesus is coming again to bring retribution to his enemies. It says inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna lie to you, that's a pretty intense verse, right? Whenever I read that, I'm like, man, that's not what I wanna hear. That's not exactly encouraging. It's, it's kind of tough. Um, I don't really wanna think about that. While I agree with you though, that is tough, right? And then people I'm sure are saying, but, but Zach, right, God is love. Like um, that doesn't sound very loving. While I agree with you that God is love, right? I also know that love is not possible without that retribution, that love cannot come whenever there are sins and whenever there are issues and darkness and evil that are not being dealt with. So Jesus, he's not coming to be the cool parent, right? He's not coming to, um, to, to, be, yeah, to be the cool parent that's more worried about being friends with their, um, with their child than, than bringing um, justice and bringing the law, right? And knowing that there are rules that need to be upheld and that there are specific things that have to happen. Jesus is not worried about that. He's coming as an almighty ruler of the universe, 
right? He's coming of the creator of all of the stars and all of the planets, the king of all kings, the great I am. And he's coming because he knows that there is retribution that needs to be brought. Those who have stood against him, those who have committed their lives to confusing people and steering them away from a relationship with a loving father. He is coming to bring retribution to them, right? To bring vengeance to them. It's as if a parent um, goes away on a trip, right? And the whole time that they're away on the trip, they can't come back quite yet, but they have phone calls or they hear from other people like, hey, man, there's this person that's in your daughter or your son's life and they just keep feeding them lies and lies and telling them that you don't love them and that you're not even real and that you're not coming back and that you don't care for them. And they're leading them down a path of destruction away from what is good for them, away from what you want for them, away from the love that you have for them. Man, that parent's not going to come back and just be like, oh, you know, that's okay. No, that parent's going to come back. You better believe with a big old wooden paddle ready to spank some people, <laughs> ready to bring retribution to those who have dedicated their whole life to confusing people about who their father is. So again, Jesus is coming again to bring retribution to his enemies. Next point would be Jesus is coming again to be glorified and worshiped by his people. This is going to be in that same passage. It's going to be 2 Thessalonians 1.10. So if you just look a little bit uh, further away. um, Actually, sorry, it's not 2 Thessalonians. No, yeah, 2 Thessalonians 1.10. My fault again. Um, But if you look at it, it says, When he comes on that day to be glorified in the saints and to be marveled at among all who believe because of our testimony to you was believed. Right, And so 2 Thessalonians 1.10, it shows us that Jesus is coming again to be glorified and to be worshiped by his people. Right, So I'll say that again. Jesus is coming again to be glorified and worshiped by his people. It says to be glorified by his saints and marveled at by all who believe. All of his saints, being us, right? Being believers, being Christians, will glorify him. We will praise him. It's going to be awesome. I don't know if you guys are excited about that, but I'm very excited. I can't wrap my head quite around what that's going to look like, right? Because I love worship with David and the band, right? I loved what we just got to do. And that was awesome. And that was hype. And that was exciting. And there was a lot of energy, but man, that is not going to come close to what we have to look forward to when we get to glorify and worship the father. Jesus isn't going to walk back in and be like, Hey guys, like I'm back. It's me, surprise. No, it's going to be the literal coolest thing ever. If you think of the coolest Super Bowl halftime show that you've ever seen or the sweetest concert that you've ever been to, it's going to be way, way cooler than that. If you've been to a Texas Tech basketball game, you'll understand what I'm about to say right here. Um, in the, this, this past season specifically, RIP NCAA basketball, right? We love that, but... Um, COVID-19 was just scared that Texas Tech was going to win the Natty this year, so he had to cancel the rest of the season. I I firmly believe that that's what happened. Um, No, I'm just kidding. But if you have ever been to a Texas Tech home basketball game this season, you'll understand this. So my wife, Becca, and I were there, um, and we were sitting right on, like, the outer corner of the student section. So it was still pretty packed, and, you know, it was a full stadium anyway, and so there's people everywhere, and it was really exciting, and the lights, like, dim down whenever they're about to announce the starting lineup, right? And then they... Announced the the starting lineup of the away team, which I think it was uh, University of Texas Saturday, and everybody's booing and boo whatever. 
And then the lights kind of start flashing red and black because go Texas Tech and um, all kinds of this crazy music and strobe lights and all kinds of cool stuff happens. And they start announcing our starting five, right? Player by player. And people are like, woo, yeah, cheering for him. And then here's the kicker, right? One specific player, shout out Davide Moretti, right? The second that his name is called at any Texas Tech home game, every single person in the stadium loses their mind. They go absolutely wild. I think it's just because he he is one of the only ones left from the team last year that went all the way to the national championship and people just love Davide Moretti. And whenever they hear his name and they hear that, man, Davide is coming onto the court. He is getting ready to play the game. And the announcer says in number whatever, I think he's 25, Davide Moretti, everybody loses their mind. Strobe lights, right? Fire, flames, everything goes wild. But man, that's going to be nothing compared to what it's going to be like whenever Christ returns. Now, I don't exactly think that God's going to be in heaven and be like, now introducing five foot eight from Bethlehem, Jesus Christ. No, that's not going to happen, right? That's not what it's going to look like. And I'm sorry for my really poor uh, announcer's voice. You guys can get over it. Um, But that's not what's going to happen, right? But I do believe that there will be a sense of excitement, and praise that comes with his revival, right? Because one of the reasons that Christ is coming back is to be worshiped and glorified by us, his people. So we are gonna be going crazy. We are gonna be excited. There's gonna be a sense of excitement knowing what is happening. Jesus is not coming back to host some lame party, but Jesus is coming back to be glorified and worshiped by his people. So this last point that we have here for this part of um, what we're talking about tonight is going to be in Philippians 3, verses 20 through 21. And I'll read it to you really quick. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him um, even to subject all things to himself. Losing my uh, highlighter. Um, but what, what we learn from that, from that verse in Philippians is Jesus is coming again to complete our salvation and to redeem his people, right? Jesus is coming again to complete our salvation and to redeem his people. It says he will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. This is the idea of the completion of sanctification, right? We as believers are currently going through this process called sanctification, where we are growing to be more and more like Christ every single day. And that will not become complete until Christ's return. So that is a reason that he is coming back. Um, Not to say that we are not growing now because we are. You can look around you. You can look in your own life and you can see people are growing and that you are growing closer to Christ. But on the day of Jesus' return, right, that is when our full-on sanctification happens. When we are taken with Christ to go and spend eternity with him, we become sanctified. And so we have another verse here. Um, that, that is going to go with that, with that same point. Quickly flip over there to, to Hebrews. I was flipping the wrong way in my Bible. Happens to the best of us. Um, but Hebrews 9, 28. And it says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly await him. It says to save those who eagerly await him. Just in case you didn't know, the people that he's saving who are eagerly awaiting him, that's us. 
that are that that is us that is christians right we should be eagerly awaiting him it's like um whenever becca and i are over at my parents house i have a little dog and her name is zoe right and we'll come inside and she's like kind of excited and she's like oh rub my belly whatever and then but the real kicker is whenever my mom comes home because zoe loves my mom she eagerly awaits the return of my mom every single day anytime my mom leaves Zoe is eagerly awaiting the return of my mom. She sits on the back of that couch. And if she sees my mom or hears a car door shut or she sees her through the window starting to walk up the little sidewalk, Zoe will go berserk. She is bouncing off the walls. She is barking at the door, rolling around on the floor. She is eager for the return of my mom. And that's exactly what we are looking like, right? We are eager for the return of Christ because he is coming to save us, right? Not to deal with sin. He has already dealt with sin. He has already died on the cross. He has already done all that, risen from the dead. He doesn't need to do that a second time, but he is coming to save us. And then the last point is gonna be in 1 John 3, one through three, still uh, um, under the idea that Jesus is coming to complete our salvation and to redeem his people. So you have First John 3, one through three says, see what kind of love the father has given to us <clears throat> that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Man, that's good. Right there it says, and what has not appeared, or and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him saying that when Christ comes, when we get to see him for what he is, right? The Lord most high, the King of all Kings, we will be like him. He will redeem us. He will sanctify us. Jesus is not coming to die on the cross again. Like I said, that has been finished, right? He said that on the cross, it is finished. If it's finished, it does not need to restart. But Jesus is coming again to redeem his people knowing that Jesus is coming again to redeem his people, to complete our salvation, to be glorified by us and to bring retribution to his enemies. And that's good. But what does it mean for us today, right? What does it mean for us as Christians, 2020, Lubbock, Texas, wherever you are, um, New York City, if that's where you are, that's awesome. Um, but what does it mean for us today to know that? I think it means a few different things. Knowing that Jesus is coming again means that we can live with hope. No matter what, there's always going to be pain and suffering, illness, bad things in the world. I don't say that to discourage you, but that is where our biggest hope comes from, right? Christ is coming again. There is an end to all pain in the future. There is an end to all evil and to sickness and to all the hard times, to all of the heartache. Man, there is an end and that is when Jesus returns. We get to rejoice in that because we know what is to come. We don't have to wonder what the outcome is gonna be. Because of what happened on the cross and in the tomb thousands and thousands of years ago, we get to know that Jesus wins, which means we win because we are on team Jesus. Our savior, our redeemer, God in the flesh, the king of kings, the most high, our father, our friend, he is coming again. Nothing is gonna keep him. COVID-19 is not gonna keep him from his return. He's not sitting up in heaven saying, oh man, I did not see that coming. I'm gonna have to hold off on coming back for another 6,000 years. Please God, don't wait that long. Um, but no, he is coming again. 
So live in that joy, even in the hard times, know that we win in the end and that you have hope and joy in that. So again, knowing that Jesus is coming again means that we can live with hope. Knowing that Jesus is coming again means that we need to fearlessly share his love, right? Matthew 24 and um, 24 verse 36 It tells us that we don't know when this is going to happen. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. It could be tomorrow morning. It could be 10 minutes after we're done with this this, uh, service. But what we do know is that there are people out there who don't know Christ. And those people need to know Christ before this happens, right? So we need to go and it says that he will bring retribution to his enemies that are non-believers, right? His enemies are the non-believers. And so I do not wish the wrath of God onto any human person, but rather, man, I want them to experience eternity with Christ, just like I'm going to, just like you're going to. So that means that we need to go and that we need to share with people the love of Christ fearlessly. We must keep on sharing. We must keep on loving. That doesn't mean that everybody we believe with is going to, or everybody we share with is going to believe. But what it does mean is that, man, we are called to that. We have work to do. Man, that's like the idea of the person walking across the street with his headphones in and you see a big old truck coming for him and you're like, man, this is, this is surely gonna kill him. The truck is gonna hit him. He has no idea, but you just stand back and, and let it happen. No, you would go, you would run and you would push them out of the way. This is the same idea is that we see what happens in the end. We can't stand by idly while people are walking across that crosswalk with a truck bearing down on them right? We need to go. We need to share fearlessly with those we love, with strangers, with people that we know that do not know Christ. So again, knowing that Jesus is coming again means that we need to fearlessly share his love with others. Lastly, knowing that Jesus is coming again means that we can know that our God loves us. The cross is proof of how powerful God loves us, how powerful he is, how much he cares it means that all of our sins were nailed to that cross, like I've previously said already. Because they went to the grave with Christ and when he rose, they stayed, right? They didn't, our sins did not come out of that grave. They stayed as Christ rose. Not only is Jesus coming back to finish that sin off for the rest of eternity, but he didn't leave it <clears throat> for us to take back on. He said, no, like you, you don't have to take that. I, I will take that. And that's love, man. I don't, I don't know what else love is. The greatest picture of love is the gospel. And the fact that Christ is returning to finish that off, man, that shows how much God loves us. So once again, knowing that Jesus is coming again means that we can know that our God loves us. So Christians, tonight, what does this mean for us, right? We walk out of, uh, well, the six of us walk out of this room afterwards. Um, You guys go on with your lives, whatever you're doing for the rest of this evening, what does it mean for you to fearlessly share his love with people? What does it mean to you to have hope? What does it mean to you to know that God loves you? Man, I want you guys to, to wrestle with that, to think about it, right? To know that that this is what we are called to, right? That Christ is coming again, that we should have hope, that we should fearlessly love his people, and that our God loves us. Non-Christians, man, I hope that you stuck till the end. Man, I'm encouraged. I, I really do hope that, that you felt God speak to you tonight. And this, what this means for you is that, man, the gospel is true. That relationship of, of love, the sweetest relationship that you could possibly ever have with Christ, with God, is available to you right now.
man. You don't have to do anything special. You don't have to have this crazy, long, thought-out prayer. You don't have to have somebody come and, and do this. For you. Man, you can do this right here, right by yourself, by just asking God to come into your life. Telling him, hey, man, I know I've messed up. I know that I have lived a sinful life. God, but I am turning to you. You can know that forgiveness. Man, it's waiting for you. All you have to do is grab it. Man, so I encourage you, if, if that is something that you have felt in your heart tonight, if you felt led to do that, I think that they're even gonna have a little respond button on the screen somewhere tonight, man. So I appreciate if you would click that. Man, we would love to hear that God is working in your life. We would love to hear how he is working in your life. Man, if you just want prayer, if you're a believer, if you're a non-believer, whatever, and you just want prayer, man, there's a little prayer button that you can click that goes and will take you to a private chat with one of our staff members to pray. Now, I just wanna encourage you that God loves you, right? You can know that love. The Jesus that came, the Jesus that lived the perfect life, the one that died for your sins, the one that rose again, and the one that is coming again is the same exact Jesus that is seeking after your heart right now. The little tug that you feel at your heart, man, that's him. That's Holy Spirit pulling at you, inviting you into a relationship. Man, don't let that get swept under the rug. If you take anything away from tonight, man, let it be that God loves you more than anything in the whole world. Not a single person that, that you know or that I know will ever be able to love you as much as he does. And so I'd encourage you uh, just really lean into that. And, and I'm gonna pray us out real quick and, and we're gonna enter into a time of response. I love you guys. Thank you for being here tonight. I'm gonna pray. Hey God, thank you for um, this evening. Thank you for, again, for your word. Thank you that you are always with us, that even in these crazy, weird, tough times that we're in of, of weirdness happening and of things going on that we don't quite understand, Lord, that you are here and that you are working and that you um, are not gonna stop anytime soon. God, we know that from now until you come back, that you will continuously be working in our lives, God, that you will continuously be here for us and that you will continuously love us. And we are so encouraged by your word. Lord, not as pray that we walk away tonight changed people, not because of words that came out of my mouth, not because um, of David's ability to strum the guitar very well, not because our media team is awesome, not because any of those things that are true, but that's not the reason that we're walking away changed. We're walking away changed because of you, because of your Holy Spirit, because of what your son Jesus did on the cross and because of your word. We love you, God. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK. 